Hello and welcome again to the Chris Kirkwood Podcast. This is part two of our discussion with Fred Armisen about punk rock, Portlandia, and his new series, Documentary Now. Let's get going. I think he was more like, I just want to make something funny and interesting. And it was the times, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it was coming out of the psychedelic fucking 60s, so everybody was, was yeah. ahead it, anyway. It was kind of a throw, I mean, I, what I know about it was kind of a throwaway slot. Oh, it when was, it first went on, it yes. was just like that—that's where you throw the the car ads and the right. I but mean, that, it was like replacing late night, but you to know, him, movies. He the way he explained it to me because I asked him exactly that, and mm-hmm. he said that it was, it was he had nothing to lose. He's like, it's eleven thirty Saturday night. You know, it's not the pressure wasn't as on, right? And they they were not ready for primetime players, yeah. right? So they they were admitting it to themselves, and yeah. you know, and so it's maybe it was an outlet for that kind of comedy, you know, yeah. and it led to so much. I, I loved it. I loved every minute of it. And you were a fan before. I was a fan before, and as it was happening, um, it wasn't that long after I stopped doing music to do comedy. Mm. I knew it was going to be the best job I ever had, mm-hmm. and it was. And people would tell me as much. I remember, maybe it was Norm Macdonald said the best job I ever had. See, right. I, I have a weird question. That's I, so badass. Yeah, and I was like, and and then he was right. <laughs> I fucking bet. You know, it, you know, it looks like fun. It's it's fun and it's really intense. I'm sorry, I just interrupted you. Oh, no, it's okay. I was just going to say, many moons ago, I was at the Groundlings. Yeah. And when you are at the Groundlings or Second set, you know, second City, you're like, oh, I want to be there, right? Yeah. And, like, I went through with John Lovitz, and yeah. when he got vaulted up, it was like, yeah. you know, uh, a little bit of jealousy, a little bit of, like, uh-huh. I was better than him, you know, the night they picked him, you know. And, but you come from a completely... Punk rock. Yeah, so I come from. Did you? Did you? Feel I come from like Fugazi and Nation of Ulysses and Meat Puppets and all that, like that. You know, but not uh, everybody does come from there. No, that's what makes me cool. <laughs> totally. <laughs> you know, because, you and I say that not, I'm not saying it in a way that's saying that I am a great guy, but I'm just like I am so proud and I love the punk scene so much that to me I'm like that's that's a score for for the punk scene. Fuck yeah. For SST. Oh, yeah. And for all the labels, I'm like, there's one, you know, right? One little score for. It. But um, I would say in entertainment, I'm not the only one. But for SNL, you know, yeah, definitely. Well, right the fuck on. Hell Where'd yeah. <laughs> oh, it's it's awesome. I and just, you did a great job of it, dude. You did a fucking great job of it. I mean, the shit I see you do on there. I don't know. I there has to be a, an a, an element to it. Maybe when you get used to the way that somebody looks. I don't know. Do you have a funny face? You know what I mean? Um, like, when my mom used to watch the show, mm-hmm. she used to like Chevy Chase because my mom's from Venezuela, and she used to say, "I just like he. I you just look at him and you want to laugh. He doesn't have to say anything." Right. And I think that that echoed in my brain of like there there is a way to do you know to get in there somewhere and not be great with words. Right. Yeah. And like a like a. I mean, you you start to grow into it, right? You start to go into the job. And yeah. Then, because suddenly you're doing a lot of stuff. I mean, you did a lot of skits and a lot of shows. Yeah. Right? Hundreds, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a lot of work. You know? And, I mean, it obviously is a ton of work. But it's good work. You know? But it's good work. So you're living up in the city. Yeah. And, at, like, like, how does one of those shows come together? What, what's the week? I mean, The week is it's, it's almost like a 24-hour-a-day job. 24-hour. Yeah, like, it's full-time, seven days a week, like... You, if you're not at the, at the building, you're thinking about your sketch. You're thinking about it. What's funny? What, what's going to make sense this week? 
Um, there are a lot of sketches that don't work. The stuff you saw on TV is the stuff that you know made it onto TV. For all of those that you saw, I did 10 sketches that did not work, were met with dead silence. Monday, you pitch your ideas to Lauren and the host and the other writers. Tuesday, you write all day and all night into the evening. Overnight, you're at the office, five in the morning, six in the morning. The next day, Wednesday, you do the table read. You read the sketches around the table with, it's almost like a radio play. Mm -hmm. Then they choose the sketches that they're going to produce. Out of those 40, there's 10. Right. Then Thursday rehearse, Friday rehearse, Saturday dress rehearsal, Saturday night show. Fuck. So, so Sunday, you have off, but you don't really have it off. Your brain is just, it, it really is week after week of like having a child. And you did it for years. Years. And you just, it's very romantic. Like you lose your mind. You lose, you're like, you have no personal life. You you just feel gross. You know, you just you put so much stuff in your mouth. You eat candy and coffee and because you're just trying to fill Create. up your stomach, right. you know, and like get get back to writing. But you learn a whole lot. You learn to not be precious about yourself. You, you get stripped of the idea of I am this great, brilliant person because there's a test every week of like the audience telling you you're not that wasn't so funny. So you quickly learn to listen to other people, to listen to Lauren, to listen to not not walk out there like this is gonna kill. You just get you get there's a, get a lot of humility, which is great for it's great education in writing. And that's one of the parts that I find interesting. I mean, not only did you find that you had the ability to you know uh, be funny, but I mean you're writing this stuff, right? Yeah. So I mean, there's this writer element to it as well. Yes. You know, so. I mean, did that come? Uh, how? You get thrown into the fire with that. So you don't. They so you audition for the show, and they're they're, they're not like, well, we're gonna explain to you how this works and try to write stuff that's you know inclusive of this and that and make sure you have five jokes. It's there's none of that. It's you are just naked and you just they throw you out there, and they <laughs> you know. Because there's a show coming up that week, so they're like, they're like, I don't know, find a writer and start working on something. Right. So that's what you do. So I didn't know I was a writer, but you just sit at your computer and you, here's a sketch. I think this might work. This might be funny. This might be funny. And yeah. you never quite get it right. You never go home like, yeah. You always go like, I think that was that kind of worked. Right. I think that might have been something. There. Well, I definitely know that feeling from having, you know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just like from a performing side of things, even making records and everything, yes. you know, where you're like, you know. Right. Uh, but, god damn, I mean, I made like, I don't know, 15 some odd records, you know, yeah. but you were doing this like every week and for like 10 years, yeah. right? <laughs> so, 11 years. 11 years. And at the end what? of it, you do feel like, okay, now that's enough. That was enough. You do feel like, I've done it, you know, I'm, I'm good on this right. format. For a while. And you hit, but you hit your stride, and I mean, you know, like another thing I find interesting is like the uh, the impersonations. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, you did Obama. Yeah. And Obama's half black. You uh -huh. know, like, and you don't. I mean, you're not. You know, yeah. black at all. So, uh, and so so many of the other things that you did. You know, and a bunch of characters that became like fairly stock like stock characters uh -huh. that would be repeated, and uh, I don't know. It's just trippy. Was what you know? It's who knows what who you know, <laughs> luck. DNA, uh, you know, uh, great writers, 
you know, it's a very common thing to say, like, oh, but it, it, those writers, you will not believe how much you lean on them. Right. Because you could do an impression in a character, and then that's all you have. And then some writer will come in, put it in a, you know, it takes place in a grocery store. You know, this, these are the lines. I mean, that is where the real, that's the secret ingredient to everything. And these writers who just really control the quality of, of something. They're your, they, they protect you from yourself. So where you go like, I should say this 50 times, you're like, you're good. Just do it twice. Right. And you're, you're So, it's, I mean, the, the team effort has to be helpful. It is everything. And you know, I mean. It is everything. You need that. You need to bounce ideas off of people. You right. need to collaborate. You have to. And there are pros there. I mean, people that have been doing it a long time. Yes. I mean, just like, just the amount of technicality that's involved in a show like that. The cameraman, yeah. you know. It's, you know, all, it's like you juggling. Know. Switch the camera to you, switch the camera, all that kind of stuff. All that you know? stuff. Oh, or you have to look like, you know, you're just talking to the other person when you're reading a cue card. You, the timing is so right, you cannot be loose with it and just goofing right. around. You have to really get the timing right. Hi, this is Chris Kirkwood, your host on the Chris Kirkwood Podcast. Today's episode with our wonderful guest, Fred Armisen, is brought to you by all the fabulous folks at the dental office of Dr. Kelly Jordan Cook. In the state-of-the-art office, steeped in rock and roll, Kelly and his team provide everything from routine dental care to complete restoration dentistry with an emphasis on a pain-free, relaxing dental experience. So if you're in the Phoenix area and have any dental needs, I highly recommend you go and see Dr. Kelly Cook and his wonderful staff. Dr. Kelly Jordan Cook, the doc that rocks. And now we're back. All right. One of the things uh, that I noticed just like um, with some of the guest hosts yeah is them so obviously reading the cue card yeah right? and sometimes it was like it's fucking not that complicated of lines right. you know what i mean you can't like just look away from it you know just for a second or something but does it matter it doesn't matter you know yeah. but did like that's the other element that was involved is like a, a new host every week yes you know and like who do you, who who was really a blast to work with? We can ask you insider stuff. Like who was who do you, who do you I think liked, really? Um, there's so many. I mean, there's so a lot many. of them. You For know, different reasons, I like different hosts. Yeah. Like um, something about Anne Hathaway, I just mm-hmm. like the idea that she was doing this kind of comedy. She was a lot of fun. John Hamm, um, Liam Neeson, I remember being a lot of fun. Um, I think for some reason, though, the most interesting shows were when it was like an athlete an athlete yeah. because an athlete isn't there for their career and like you know I'm trying to rebrand myself they're only there to have fun right so they do anything right they do put on any costume and there are zero questions they don't ask about you know why am I doing this right they go sure okay oh, sure. Put, on, put on that dress right there okay <laughs> you know like they're big and they're, they're muscular big it's kind of like the perfect uh, situation because they're just there's something else about the way that they talk too that they're not like I don't, I don't know what it is I just love it when athletes come on when the athletes did it so then <clears throat> excuse me you did that for years okay yeah uh, at what point did you get to Thunder Ant right it was Thunder Ant okay so did that happen like while you were still doing yeah while I was at SNL I, I was friendly not friendly, friends with Carrie Brownstein from mm-hmm. Sleater Kinney, my one of my favorite bands ever. And we just started working together making Thunder Ant, these little videos, for no reason. Just the equivalent of just jamming with somebody. Right. And then um, while I was at SNL, 
Um, we pitched it as a TV show. I remember my manager going, like, what do you want to do next? And I was like, oh, this seems like fun. So that turned into Portlandia. And that's where Portlandia came from. Yeah, and that was like I would go to Portland and make these videos. And then all of a sudden we had enough that was presentational as a pilot. And people liked it. Yeah, people people caught on to it, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, because now it's popular, right? I mean, yeah. And you're, it's going more seasons, right? Yeah, keep we, just, we just, just finished the other day shooting season six. And we'll probably do another couple seasons, yeah. seven and eight. Because I mean that's that show's great. That's you know. Thanks. It's funnier than hell, I think. You know, uh, we've had some punks on there. We've had Jella Biafra on, and uh, you had, Danzig. Yeah, Danzig was on. Danzig we on. did just this season. Oh, he's. Man, I'll tell how you. Was he the, to, cause he's this is I had a friend who played in a band with him. He can be a little. He was great. Was he, he was. Is a, this is a fucking great punk rock story. I can. Uh, you like punk rock? I'll share this with you. Yeah. So years ago, this is a this is a this is a minute ago, right? Probably. 81, 82, something like this. And uh, we were playing, at the time they called it, what the fuck did they call it? Well, it's the old Fillmore West. And it was called the Something Club. They were, had a different name, right? In San Francisco. We we're playing with uh, Misfits. They were the Misfits then, right? And with Glenn, right? And Are with, you opening? Are yeah, they, uh-huh. yeah, we're opening. And with, with Jerry and Doyle, right? The uh-huh. brothers, you know? And, uh, and we opened the set that night with the theme song from the King and I, uh-huh. right? which is lovely, you know, it's that you know, and back then, you know, and that's a pretty punk rock crowd at San Francisco. The punkers up there were definitely pretty devoted, uh-huh. you know, uh, you know, it'd be like we squat, you know, or whatever, you know, yeah. and it'd be like, well, you know, I I, I have a dog, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh-huh. so we get we're getting rained on, you know, it just turns into like. <laughs> You know, to the degree that we make, you know, how you could step on beer cans and make little clumpy shoes out of them, yeah. kind of a thing. And we're, we're fairly used to it in a way, you know, because we, we we were able to play at different kinds of shows, right? We could do shows with kind of the artier side of punk, which I this is what I liked about punk rock and what drew it to me in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. It was just there's, it was a cool movement that seemed to be happening, even though I came onto it, you know, late 70s, I mean, like third, fourth, fifth wave, whatever, you know, yeah. I, mean, I, live, I live out in the fucking desert, you know, uh-huh. definitely not cool uh-huh. and, you know, not groundbreaking. So, but it's still something I found interesting. So we could do these artier shows, you know, uh, and then these more punk rockier shows, you know, and sometimes at the punk rockier shows, there would be, you know, effluvians evolved, uh-huh. involved, you know, uh-huh. like, like loogies, you, yeah, shit, yeah. you know what I mean? Shit thrown at oh, you and terrible. people fucking with you. Right, so that we were just getting rained on. This is like, what the fuck ever, and actually getting a kind of kick out of fucking with the punker slightly, right? So then, then it's a misfits turn to play, and those dudes, you know, Jerry and Doyle, the brothers, those guys are big brawny dudes, yeah. right? And and they they had this big sp- the big hair spike, mm-hmm. and all the black and shit, and like eyeliner, and Glenn himself is a buff, you know, dude, you know, and like their guitars had like skulls uh-huh. on them and everything, yeah. right? So it's like kind of intimidating. And I remember I was outside the fucking uh, the club that night, and at that time that part of town had gotten a little rough. And this dude's like, "You want to buy some LSD?" And it was a brother, right? It's this, this black guy. Uh-huh. And I was kind of like, "I guess so." You know what I mean? It was kind of mm-hmm. like, "You're buying some LSD." I'm like, "So I give him some money, right?" And I'm like, eh, I take it, and it's not LSD. It's like you know, expensive paper. Uh-huh. Till that happened, and it was kind of like. You know, San Francisco weirdness. So then those dudes start playing, right? 
and for some reason, the fucking punkers are throwing shit at them, you know? Uh-huh. And, uh, and the drummer didn't like it, right? So he kept coming off from behind the fucking drum kit and jumping into the crowd. So to make a long story short, which is obviously a, a, a pointless effort at this point, uh-huh. <laughs> the story's gone on for a while. Uh-huh. At a point, uh, fucking Doyle, the guitar player, right, has had enough and takes his guitar and belted the fuck out of this kid, right? Uh-huh. To the degree, and it was like an SG body, you know? That's he, heavy. You know, and he used it like an ax, he turned it sideways uh-huh. and came down on this kid's head and it had all that like, you know, bones and skulls on it and it, the fucking guitar just goes, and she broke the body in half over this kid's head. Wound up actually hurting the kid pretty badly and I think, you know, it turned into like a thing, right? Uh-huh. And uh, and the crowd goes, right? And it turned into like, and back then, like gigs were too fucking crazy where it'd be like, now the cops are here and people are like, you know, it would just get too nuts. And, it, and at that point, that gig got too nuts for us. And we exited the building. Uh-huh. You know, so there's my... Did you get paid? Mis- yeah, we wound up getting paid, you know. Probably. Isn't you know? that weird that like they... Why would the crowd have shown up? What were they expecting? Like it's one thing if you're opening up for like some mainstream band, but it's a punk show. What did they want? Yeah, well, I, I could understand them like us. I mean, in a way... We were kind of teasing them slightly, you know, maybe. You know? Yeah, but still. But we weren't, though. I mean, we, we liked the theme been... song from The King and I. Yeah. You know, and we wanted to play it. And it's our fucking business what we want to play. Yeah. Uh, but I'll tell you one night, this is this happened even before that. We were at the Mabuhai. And, uh, and you you know, you've probably had gotten loogied on. I mean, you get played enough live shows. I don't know, you know. We've had thr- stuff thrown. Thrown at us. Yeah. So I'm sitting there singing. And I'm, back then, I'm screaming. I got my little mouth open. I'm screaming. And just in, the, in a flash of a second, I see, Ugh! and boom, I get hit in the back of the throat with a loogie. <laughs> I don't like that story at all. <laughs> I don't like that story. <laughs> also, that seems so British. I didn't know that was that American. San Francisco had its own, uh, you know, back yeah. then especially. Uh, they were kind of, you know, I mean, it was hardcore. Down here was hardcore, but it was a little more like, hardcore. But there was kind of already hardcore, uh-huh. you know, in a different way. So, but... Did you ever play with the big boys? Uh, I don't. I'm trying to remember if we actually played with them. Maybe the first time we went out to Austin. Maybe been, not though, huh? Huh? Maybe not. So, but, but I think they might have gigged that night. I think maybe the first time we got out there was maybe with Flag, uh-huh. and for sure we stayed with like at their house, you know, like at Chris's house or something. How know? about Bad Brains? Bad Brains we played with. Mm-hmm. Fuck, we put on a friend of mine. Uh, this guy, David Wiley, was his name. He. Uh, he was in a band called The Consumers, right? And the, mm-hmm. the way that we got hooked up at Los Angeles at all was these guys, The Consumers, were a Phoenix band, and they moved out here, right? It's like 77. We were living at the Canterbury, which is like the this kind of cheapish hotel that a bunch of the punkers out here lived in at the time, right? So they got to know people around here, and when we started playing together, Derek had, had made friends with David. He was like wrote letters back mm-hmm. and forth and stuff, so he was sending David these cassettes. So... That's how we wound up in any way getting to know people out here, coming out and playing shows. That's how we hooked up with Monitor, uh-huh. the people that put out our first seven inch. Played that song Hair on their album, you know, they you know, that whole story. So uh David was back out in Phoenix for a minute and uh me and him actually like opened a club and you know, now what that means is like we fucking finagled up like a couple hundred bucks to get this dumpy ass fucking little club kind of thing that was being used as a storage facility for swamp cooler pads uh-huh. right and a swamp cooler is evaporative cooling you know it's the kind of thing that only exist only works in the desert you uh-huh. know because you have to have a certain level of dew point has to be low enough right so that water being dumped over these pads 
it evaporates as the fan that's in the center of this box pulls the air through. Okay. And it cools the air, right? It's evaporative cooling. I'll and believe you. He has these big straw pads. So this whole fucking room is filled with these. We have to clean this room out, first of all. And to do that, we have to go through the public morgue, right? It's this, like, really low ramp little morgue that was, like, part of this little building, right? And there wasn't anybody in there. And at one point, I pulled myself up over, like, this little barrier and looked in, and there was actually a, a fucking dead child, right? And his name, I, I found out, was Cecil. You know, there's this little kid that got hit by a car, and he had those, you know, staples Holy holding him together. So we put a, we opened this club for about a fucking hour. I mean, you know, it lasted for a, a month or two, right? And uh, I remember we got fucking Social Distortion came out and played. Oh, nice. You know, and... Uh, and Meat Puppets played one night mm -hmm. beat with Bad Brains. Mm -hmm. So, and it was the first time I'd seen Bad Brains. And uh, fuck, they were good. And I think that night we did like standing on the verge of getting it on or mm -hmm. something, you know, P Funk, something like that, right? And after the show, they're like, white guys out in the desert, white punker kids, you know, we were, <laughs> we were hardly punker, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it was kind of like, you know, you know, we were, it was a punkish kind of a vibe all the way around. But, but they were, you know, kind of like surprised that we were aware of and actually playing P some P-Funk stuff, you know? Yeah. So, and then afterwards, this is funny, we fucking told them, well, you can stay over at this house. There was this arty house that was happening in Phoenix called the Hate House, you know, where there's like, like the first year, generation before us of punkers, the actual like, you know, fucking like actual, you know, like a big gay thing and a big uh -huh. junky thing. Like you know? the 77, yeah, 76. Like, where it's actually know. like, you know, you people are doomed, you yeah. know, in a way, you know, and so many of those folks actually are gone, you know. Yeah. But they were really, and they were, you know, they were, you know, it was a nice, I mean, it was kind of a dumpy house, but it was just a house and it was like, bad brains was like, you can stay there. So we go over there and they had like this shaman with him and the dude went inside the house, right? And then he, you know, and it's like an older Rasta guy, big ass long braids, you know, and kind of like hardcore fucking Rasta guy, right? Mm -hmm. And he comes out, he's like, oh, no, 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 witches, witches and warlocks, <laughs> right? So we're like, witches and warlocks? No, you know, junkies and, and fags, you know? Yeah, and yeah, like, yeah. What? You know, punk rock. Yeah. And they wouldn't fucking go inside. Wow. So, but goddamn, the bad brains fucking rock like shit. Yeah. Ever, oh, one of, maybe one of the greatest bands ever. Oh, they were brutal, man. Yeah. You know, I mean, there was a lot of good punk rock back then. I, yeah. I thought I loved a lot of the bands that were around. But those guys brought an element of that, like, uh, that fusion-y thing, you know? Yeah. There was, like, just that playerly thing to it, and then just rocked so God, fucking God, they could play hard, so you know? great. Yeah. Uh, lots and lots of really good fucking bands. Yeah. So, so what's it like doing uh, Portlandia? Let's talk about your song um, again. That's, you know, that's, um, we do it all on the, on the summers, you know, kind of uh, June through September, mm -hmm. and it's with my my best friend and we have a great time she's great she's brilliant you know i mean how, how does she i think that was one of the things when you first did the show it kind of made sense that you were doing it but i think unless people had seen stuff online they're like the girl from slater kenny's funny what's up with that she's so funny she's but she's brilliant she's, i mean I, she's I, wonderful yeah yeah she's really a, a great writer and she's you know just perfect i just love doing comedy with her and uh, it just worked out. We just keep going, and uh, we've had some just good fortune. We only do ten episodes a season, which is nice. We don't overdo it. Right. So uh, it's a blast. I love it. How about, here's a question for you: When she does Lance, uh, right? yeah, uh, is that is she just doing that with her voice, or is that no? It's it's digitally lowered. It's digitally lowered. So we when we shoot it, we can't talk over each other. 
We have to, like, we can't improvise too much. We have to let her do her lines, and then I do my lines. Real specifically. Specifically. And then so they can. We, we, yeah. Lower it. Lower it. Yeah. <laughs> That's, and then they really, she really manages to get yeah. her, you know, boobs kind of out of the, yeah. out of the picture. You know? Yeah. I think they have a system that now that's pretty easy. Boob away. Yeah. <laughs> they do pretty, they do it um, in a way that's kind of quick and not too painful for her. Right. <laughs> yeah. One would hope. Yeah. <laughs> they sort of, there's a little bit of trickery and they, they do, uh, <laughs> but they they, um, they they make it easier on her. Because, you know, she also has to have that mustache on. Right. And that's not fun. And the, and the arm hair. Uh, Is that arm hers? hair? No, they put that, that under looks- there and then... Uh, I think they put her hair back like kind of in a ponytail. Right. But never do we think like we're really going to fool everybody. It's just a character. You know sure. what I mean? We're like, sure. well, we'll just do it like this. No, and it's fun. I mean, you guys yeah. swap yeah. genders. And then you do the, uh, uh, oh, what's the what's the character's name in the um, in the Women for Women? Oh, yeah, Tony and Candace. Tony and Candace. Yeah. We used to do this as Thundering. We would go, you know, I, when I used to go visit Portland, I would see that store. That's a real place. <laughs> That's a real place. Oh, yeah. Okay. In other words, it's the real name is called In Other Words, and uh, yeah, right away we're like, we got to do this this shop, the the feminist bookstore. I mean, I think it's one of the things. I don't know. You see cities, certain cities, you know, and the personalities yeah. personalities that they have, and uh, and Portland's a charming, you know. I mean, I've had a blast up there forever, you know. Yeah. You know, I always played up there as many times as I played anywhere, and and yet still, uh, there's a certain amount of like. Uh, just humor bait. Yeah. Know? I mean, and maybe there is anywhere in a way, you know, in some ways, but but definitely I think. Also, I think you caught it at a time. There's a little bit of Portlandia in every city now. Yeah. And we, and, and we all know it. Like the places, you know, where you play your shows and stuff like that areas, not even that, the, the areas that we gravitate towards, like where all the bookstores are and stuff. And, you know, that's just like that, that exists in almost every city. Right. And yet you guys aren't like, it's not a mean-spirited show. Never. You know what it's I mean? It's always done with love and... You know, and... Just because we like doing it that way. Right, right. And yeah. that's nice, you know, I think. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's... It's mean humor. I don't know. Is there mean humor? There's, there, oh, it, there's definitely it mean exists, humor. It exists, but it's not fun for anybody. You See, know? I, yeah. I, I, and you're not going to get on, like, get a, a hit TV show with it in a way. No, maybe. I think... But like, what, what about, like... Well, no, definitely. Like, like uh, All in the Family... You know? Right. I mean, that, uh, it was. But that's all done lovingly. It, it was done lovingly. It's like a soft portrayal of a, you know, of somebody that's like bigoted, basically. Yeah. What, what Archie Bunker was essentially, you know, and they somehow made him lovable and and make and he's kind of the the. He's you know, kind of the butt of it. He's joke, the butt of it. Too. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's like you know, he's they're they're poking fun at those ideas, and I, I think that's a brilliant show, um, but. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because there, I think there was kind of in the late '90s there was a little bent of mean-spirited humor. Yeah, maybe not so much on television as much, but kind of like indie movies and certain kind of like magazines. It just doesn't. I think audiences just. I think now or whatever, just it's just not fun for anybody. You know, there's enough. There's enough misfortune in the world. Exactly. I I think just for me, I think. you know, there, I can, if I want to have mean spiritedness, I can just pick yeah. up the newspaper. I can go online, mm-hmm. and I can see, you know, any number of things. But on the other hand, you know, some people make it work. Definitely, you know? I look like Don Rickles or something. Yeah, you know? some people. For there is there is always an exception 
to you know there, there'll be that that well, I think you can have a cutting sense of humor. I yeah. think one of the things that, like, Terry Southern and some of those people in the 60s were kind of mining that kind of hard yeah. humor. But still, it was like, you know, it, like, I, I'm just popping in my head, like, Dr. Strangelove is, you know, one of the most wonderful dark humor. Yeah. But it was, they were saying, we should not be like this. Yeah. So it wasn't really... I don't know what I'm saying right now, but <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point, though, Bill. Point well, well taken. Well, you know, it's like, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, far out, shit, man. Yeah. So let's see. What the hell else can we talk about? That's fun to talk about. Yeah, I don't know. It's just neat. Brought it's, the it's, show it's, to a grinding halt. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's okay. A grinding halt is 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 fine. But you didn't do that. I would say that, like. Uh, I guess it might even be very much like that kind of humor, you know, like... What about somebody like Bill Hicks? You know, oh, he was brilliant. Well, ahead of his time. You know, and was he ahead of his time? I would say. You think so? I'm, one of the things I noticed about him is that he attributed a lot of his take on things to, like, psychedelia. Yeah. You know, in a way. And, uh... Where was he from? Texas. Mm-hmm. You know? Texas, I think, like outside of Houston or something. Yeah, he was really great. You know, and and talks about like like his mushroom experiences and stuff like yeah. that. You know, there's there's a wonderful thing that he did like two months before he passed away, where he did like a late night um, cable access rock show, and it's like he's on for like four hours, and it's really brilliant. If wow. you go on YouTube, he's pretty cu- pretty cutting. You know what I mean? Yeah, pretty definitely pretty cutting and a little bit. I don't know if me. I don't know if it's mean. I mean, maybe that's mean. Mean is just a question of like how. Where do you draw the? You know, where do your sensitivities lie? You know. Yeah, but he seemed What's to really. For you? He believed in humanity, though. He was still, you know. Definitely, that's, definitely. That's what I meant to say. Yeah. He still think, believed in like. Yeah. You know the goodness of. And you know what's interesting about that guy is like uh, he's like considered England's second favorite comedian. Did you know that? Oh, really? Did you know that? No. He's like he was huge over there. Yeah. You know, and I didn't know that. And is still beloved. Yeah. You know, in a way that he's he's kind of underground here in a way. Yeah. You know, he's uh, still kind of underground. Definitely. Definitely. You know? And over there, it, like, he's just, I don't know. They really, really liked him. You know, to mm. the degree that he was. You know, they got his humor to the point that you know. It was I don't, he's I don't know something I read like the second yeah. most popular comedian over yeah. there like or, like if some poll or who knows what the fuck you know but Bill like Hicks that. I like him I, a lot. that Bill Hicks is a funny because <laughs> <laughs> he's got that one thing yeah that bit he's talking about like uh, the the uh, hooligans yeah who, you know uh, in uh, wherever the fuck you know knocked over a trash bin yeah something and I don't know you know I'm not gonna start imitating Bill Hicks. Bits here. Well, let's let's because uh, we're getting closer to the end here. I was checking the time real quick. Okay. But um, let's talk a little bit about documentary now. There's some yeah. very fun stuff there. That was that came from um, we did on SNL. We did a a short film about um, Ian Rubbish. who was like a fictional '77 British punk character, and it was me, Bill Hader, Seth Meyers wrote it, and uh, Reese Thomas and Alex Bono these filmmakers at SNL. So we made this short film, and we just love doing it. So after SNL, we're like, we got to keep making more of these. And it's one of those things that just went from, like, a pitch to being real. We're like, 
okay, how many episodes would we do? Let's, what if everyone was a different documentary? And then it all of a sudden we found ourselves just really shooting it. We shot in Iceland. We shot in Mexico a little bit. Um, and it, it was just six episodes. So it was very easy pressure-wise. And uh, the last episode we did, the finale was something called the Blue Jean Committee. And it was about... Um, <laughs> Uh, a 70s soft rock band you know like like I saw it yeah I saw you guys do yeah a, an actual gig didn't yeah you, on uh was it Seth Meyers Seth Meyers show yeah. the actual gig yes yeah. I saw that that's so and, uh, tri- trippy for me to think that you watched that <laughs> performance that's fucking that good that was like Steely Dan <laughs> you know uh, Bill Hader's a funny dude oh you he's know? great you know and uh you know yeah I saw I actually saw that uh, do you, now what, what's the G8 band that's um is that that's for the seth meyers show and mm-hmm. then they they just asked me to put together a band for their and sometimes i play with them and stuff sometimes you play with them yeah but but you put the band together yeah so from someone from girls against boys um uh two guys from this band called less heavy fab marty stern who's a great guitar player so yeah a little um 90s alternative it's awesome yeah nice you know give some guys a chance to play a gig a little bit of a gig. Yeah, and also like they're at, you know, at a stage in their life where like, you know, they have kids and stuff, so they get to stay in New York and just, just play and stuff. Yeah. Um, but they they make me look good, you know. It's, it's like they're a great band. Yeah, and you get to go on there and play with them. You do that yeah. occasionally. Yeah. So, And you've done a lot of um, uh, voiceovers. This is just another thing to get into. Another, I love yeah. to draw, you know. Yeah. I, you know, in the band, you know, we always have all our arty crap. You know what I mean? There's our art on our stuff a lot yeah. of the times, you know, so. And comics were a big part of my... Who did the cover to Huevos? That's Kurt. Uh-huh. You know, any of the, most of those, most of those, uh, the covers are Kurt. Uh-huh. You know, like the, the front of the covers are generally, anything that's like painterly like that, that looks kind of like a, like a, a acrylic painting is Kurt. Any of the little scribbly drawing kind of things are mine. Uh-huh. And, and it, you know, and uh, Derek, any of the, like, the most kind of, uh, like a hipster kind of, I don't know what the fuck, Derek is really good, you know, and, and it's really easy for me to tell our, our different stuff apart. I've told this before, but like the first seven, this is how arty shit was back when, you know, how it was, what it was to me arty wise. We met, like I was saying, this guy David, this band, the consumers, these folks who come out here. Uh, Derek is friends with David, invites us to come out here or people started coming out there there's just started to be an interchange right so we meet these folks at Route Van Nuys band called Monitor mm-hmm. and they asked us to do a song of theirs on their record that they wanted done loud and fast you know kind of like how screamy and stuff you know and we were good at that at that point you know a song called Hair so we recorded that then they said you know go ahead and record some of your own crap you know mm-hmm. while you're here we did that that became the, the seven inch the first seven inch right and uh, it was just such a you know like uh, just goofy, like you know the contract. We made a contract, right? Because their uh-huh. their record label is called World Limitation, right? So now we're getting signed to a label. The contract had two stipulations. The first stipulation was whatever the Meat Puppets say goes, right? Stipulation two was if there's ever any conflict or anything that needs to be resolved, see see stipulation one. Uh-huh. Right? And then we like picked at scabs that we had and signed yeah. our names in blood. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know? uh-huh. Just fucking seriously lighthearted goofball. But, yeah. sure, right? So in the but in the first thousand of the uh, records that we made, of those seven inches, we went through and we culled through our, our notebooks and pulled out 
individual drawings that we'd all done, you know, just like we used to amuse our, each other by drawing in notebooks and be like, ah, you know, stuff uh -huh. like that and went through and put a piece of drawing in, in the first thousand of those seven inches, you know, and so still occasionally... It happened last year when I was in Australia and I can't. Oh, right, mate. Do an Australian accent. Hello? That's <laughs> <a> fucking good. <laughs> good. <laughs> so, guy comes up and he's got one of those seven inches, right? And it's like, I got, you know, I can't even do it. I, I'll do it, but it's going to sound Scottish. <laughs> you know, it had. Got a single ear. <laughs> got a single ear. <laughs> got your drawing. <laughs> Look at this. <laughs> All right. Good I on really you. like the puppets. <laughs> hey, love, good on you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I could, you know, and then I can, <laughs> I can like tell who the fuck drew what, you know, and then yeah. that was like a little multiple one. So, so anyways, my fucking keep getting off track here, but uh, <laughs> I like drawing. I like fucking yeah. cartoons, and you get to do voiceovers <clears throat> for you've done some cartoon stuff too. Yeah, that's just the you know, what that's a lucky break. That's right. just like you're, you're. I get to do comedy. And then all of a sudden, there'll be this phone call or email saying, hey, are you available Thursday to do this character on right. a cartoon? It's the luckiest, coolest thing. Yeah, it's badass. I mean, it's yeah. really fun. And congratulations that all this bitching stuff has come. And, you know, because, <clears throat> I mean, it's one of the things, punk rock was not that nice to a lot of people in a way. Uh -huh. And it was one of the odd sides, not odd, but I mean, it just, I mean, it was the whole, you know, you know, blank generation and yeah. no future and all that kind of crap. But which I, I didn't was like, you know, no future. What are you talking about? You know, <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that. You know, and, but still, a lot of people got their asses handed to them. Yeah, you know, and it's nice to see somebody, you know, come out of the whole thing, you know, and you know, having a good time and doing some interesting stuff. Yeah, and you're you're fucking sweet dude, you know. So. Is it Speedy Gonzalez? Is that who you do on the show? Oh, yeah. On the, can, yeah. You, can you yeah. just... Can you, can well, you... that one, they speed up as well. Oh, they speed that voice yeah. up as well? Yeah. So what do you start with? Um, you like to be on the radio with you? <laughs> 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 I like it when you say SNL. <laughs> it's like that kind of thing, you know. Uh, and then they, they speed it up a little. And then they speed that up yeah. a little bit, so... Yeah, like Speedy. <laughs> right. Wow. Yeah. Boy, Phoenix does not have an accent, does it? Phoenix has zero accent. Did you notice that? Yeah, zero. You know, uh, that's one of the things that, like, I always got off of a, you know, I, I, I think that allowed us to develop as the band that we were in a lot of ways, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, considering how long ago we started, I was fucking 19 when we started the band. I'll be 55 next month, you know? Happy so, birthday. Thanks, man. And, uh, 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 so it was a while ago when it all came about, and Phoenix was a, definitely a different town than it is now in a lot of ways. But what it seemed to be, me to be, or, you know, and what I got out of the fucking place is that it was kind of like the kind of a, a new-ish part of the country, right? Uh, Arizona only became a state in 1912, uh -huh. you know? so it didn't have like a real, uh, like a defined regional flavor, you know. Like uh, there was a very heavy. Uh, like Mexican influence, you know, uh -huh. like the and uh, and uh, you know, Hispanic American kind of a thing, you know, and then and the Native American vibe was slightly there, but uh -huh. as far as like the the town itself, it was pretty kind of neutral in uh -huh. a way, you know, and it's just kind of so it allowed us to develop in however the fuck we wanted to, you know, <laughs> and just kind of pick and choose, you know, it didn't have this particular. Just that, just this flavor unto yeah. itself that was that overly infested us to the degree that you could tell, oh, that's that, and specifically, you know, and yeah, yeah there's no accent really from there, in a yeah. way, other than just kind of this, 
just kind of flat. Regular yeah. American. Yeah, you know, yeah. so. Uh, and now, I mean, it's been kind of odd to see the place uh, turn into, like, get this reputation as one of the more fucking, like, redneck parts of the country. Yeah. And, and it's flat the fuck out is, in a yeah. way. It, but it's not redneck. It's actually, like, fuck you style, you know, yeah. Wild West weirdness. Now, out in Arizona, you can pack, you know, uh, guns, you know, you put fucking concealed pistols without a permit, without anything. You can go in, buy a fucking pistol, put in your fucking, uh, down yeah. in your pants, put Wild your shirt West. over it, and it's legal, you know what I mean? Wow. So, and... Uh, Did they still have that one <coughs> gun store? They used to have a gun store there that had a teddy bear holding a semi-automatic <laughs> up there on Scottsdale Road. Yeah. And it was both funny and scary. Yeah. Every time you drove by it, you're like, is that a teddy bear? That's a real a, gun. With a real gun. Yeah. I'll tell you, here's something I'll share with you. This is this will be fun for me to share with you. There was a comedy thing that existed in Phoenix when we were kids. It was a TV show uh, called The Wallace and Labmo Show. Uh-huh. Right? And uh, it wound up being one of the longest-running kids shows, like regional kids shows you know, in the country. It was on for like 35-some years. Uh, and Wa- the, the, the gist of it, Wallace was the, uh, he wore a derby, and he was like the, the uh, kind of plumpish straight guy. And then Wallace was like the ingenue. Mm-hmm. I mean, and Labmo, I mean, was, right? He's taller, skinnier, he wore a top hat, and he was the, the, the naif, right? The uh-huh. kind of like clumsy, innocent, right? And then there was another guy. And the, so that, that was, uh, Bill Thompson was, was Wallace. And then this guy, Lad Kwiatkowski, played Labmo. And then there was another guy. Hmm. Excuse me. Hmm. Uh, who played all these characters, right? Uh-huh. And uh, he played, his name was Pat McMahon, and he's still a big part of like, he's on the radio out in Arizona, you know, okay. and stuff. Um, Wallace and uh, Labmore are both gone. But he played all these different characters, like um, there was uh, Aunt Maud, who was a little old lady that came out and would st- she'd start telling a, Chris- a children's story. You know, and Timmy and his little kitty were sitting there. Then the kitty ran out in the street and got hit by a car. You know, it would suddenly turn, and she was yeah. this, you know, little old lady that was Aunt Ma, right? I just or, like that story, the kitty. You know, yeah. and it, she would tell these stories. You know, it was it was a pretty advanced humor for kids. You know, they didn't pander to kids. It was pretty fucking interesting stuff. You know, and uh, or like he, one of the characters was uh, uh, Marshall Bill, right? Who was like a, a down on his like old Western movie star, right? He would come out, you know, had a cowboy hat and the, the whole thing, and it'd be like. This old silent film star, right? Who no longer was getting quite as many gigs, and he'd be like, "Hey, well, boy," and right at the end, he'd be like, "By the way, Wallace, can I borrow five bucks?" Kind uh-huh. of thing, you know. And uh, it was just a really—you can see it online, you know. There's, there's, it's still online, the episodes of it. But that was that was definitely a seminal fucking thing in, in our development, yeah. You know, and it was a very, very Phoenix thing in a way. What's too. the name of it again? The Wallace and Ladmo Show, uh-huh. you know. And it's worth checking out, you know. It was like, just. Especially how we came up, you know, moms, subsequent, like, husbands and stuff, you know, just the shit that Kurt and I went through when we were kids, you know. And that place was a fucking sanctuary, yeah. you know, for half an hour, you know. And a lot of people from Phoenix, definitely, like Spielberg, you know, is somebody that happened to, you know, talk about Walsall Admo, you know, because yeah. you know, he spent some time there as a kid, you know. But just Phoenix had that going on for it, you yeah. know. Never heard of it, and it and it just it it was redolent of the of what Phoenix was back then, you know, so it played a big part in our development, and definitely the development of my fucking sense of humor and my, you know, uh, my sense of the world. So very very cool. Yeah, I just share that with you. Thank you. Well, I think we're at the end here. 
And uh, <clears throat> I just want to say thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for having me. And uh, Yeah, Fred, I, Jesus Christ, man. What a fucking sweet dude. That you're the really, sweet dude. You're both sweet dudes. Let's make out. Let's make out. Fucking awesome. All right. And say goodnight. Cool, man. Thanks, Fred. Thank Thanks, you, very, you guys. very, much. And I wish you all the very best. Likewise. You know, you know and Portlandia, tell Carrie I said, hey. I will do. If you run into, uh, uh, what's his face, Lauren, you know, oh, yeah. tell him, hey, thanks a lot for the fucking uh, time you had the meat puppets on SNL. Really, <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Ass kicker, and I feel right. more fun. Right. So, <laughs> I don't know, brother. Thanks, man. Thank you. Today's show was recorded at Winslow Court Studios in Hollywood, California. Mm-hmm.